station, but we're here for a real education. Welcome to A Real Education. I'm your host, Tim Wick. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, movie bounty hunter, Melissa Kersher. Hello! And movie bounty to be hunted, ah. um, Jenny Young. Hi! Hi! Uh. And we are here... We're going to actually go see a movie in a theater today. What? Yes! Oh. We're going to go see Hateful Eight. So, Jenna... Uh, you, of course, always need to tell us what you know about Hateful Eight. Okay, so here's the deal. I'm actually a giant Tarantino fan. We've discussed that earlier, yep. I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've seen everything now, uh, except for Hateful Eight. Yay! So this is gonna it's new! Complete, it's new! It's going to p- complete my collection. <laughs> um, so it's uh, written and directed by Tarantino. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Samuel L. Jackson is in it. Because it's a Tarantino movie. Yeah. Um, I believe Kurt Russell is in it. Very good. Um, and it's it's about uh, a bounty hunter. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Um, but it's <laughs> I think it's about like dueling bounty hunters or something. Dueling and it's, bounty hunters. Dueling bounty hunters in in the uh, the West. And there's do, 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 yeah, we both went so there. Oh. <laughs> uh, um, and yeah, it's uh, my understanding is it's uh, a tale of. Of dueling bounty hunters and uh, strange people they meet along the way, and uh, the, the <laughs> Tarantino-style wackiness ensues. No, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> Tarantino-style wackiness. A, a, very, a very educated guess about the movie we were about yeah. to see. <laughs> uh, and Melissa's yeah. seen it. I haven't seen it yet. So, oh, I thought you no. had seen no, this. No, I haven't. I, oh. I haven't had so what do you, you know about it, Tim? Uh, I'm not going to tell you because I know I know a lot more than you do. I've oh, no, I think we should put you on the spot, yeah, Tim. No. Wait, what I, else do you know, Tim? What else uh, do you know? Well, I've seen the trailer a couple of times. It's, it's about a bunch of bounty hunters who I believe are trapped... Uh, by a snowstorm. Okay. Uh, oh, I do remember uh, and that. And I think right, yeah. that they they have they have bounty hunted someone. Okay. Uh, and that uh, there's there a, a, a con- hot chick, right? There, there's a conflict that ensues that has to do with uh, with the the bounty that they all want. Okay. Um, and I could be I could be that that's what I'm getting from the trailer and mm-hmm. and anyway, uh, so yeah, it's filled with filled with probably Tarantino conversation. There's a decent chance that uh, Samuel L. Jackson will say motherfucker at some point. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> if he doesn't, I'm going to be sad. Like, I will literally cry in the theater at the end Kurt, of the movie. Kurt Russell might say motherfucker at some point, which would be oh. kind of kind of crazy since Kurt Russell doesn't isn't known for saying motherfucker. Um, <laughs> but, but it is uh, a Tarantino film. It is a Tarantino Anything film. Anything could happen. So yeah. the odds are good that just about everybody in the movie will say motherfucker at some point. Um... <laughs> He's, he's, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a crutch for Tarantino. There's no doubt. But oh, there there is another certain word that's also a crutch, and I, I will say you will hear that one a lot. <laughs> so I think I know which word that is. Oh yeah. Well, and I'm sure we will discuss it later. Yeah. <laughs> because this uh, this movie is very much about the use of that word as well. Um, um, I don't. Yeah. Here, here's the thing that I'm wondering about. Sure. Um, I'm wondering if because uh, Samuel L. Jackson is black. I don't know if you guys knew this. What? Uh, when did that? I hadn't noticed. Uh, but if it's set in a, a different um, time period than a lot of the other previous works that he's done, uh, is that going to be a factor in the storytelling? Well, <laughs> well <laughs> one, one has to assume, although I think probably time period is uh, similar to Django Unchained, probably within... 
it, within a few decades I will, of Django Unchained. I will, con- sure. I will confirm it is post-Civil War, and uh, even in the trailer, you can see Samuel L. Jackson is in a Union Army uniform. Oh, So there we go. Yes. <laughs> there might but be. I'm, I'm yeah. more just curious as to how he plays with that, because oh, the way he plays with things is fun. It, oh my God! You, oh, if that is what you were uh, expecting That's, to be in for, you are so in for it. Yes. yes. So, uh, so this is not yeah. the seventy millimeter version. This Marissa, is not. I know you saw that. We'll probably talk about that more later. Yeah. But uh, this is just your standard well, old. Uh, <laughs> and 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 we're. Yeah, I mean, we're we're coming in on the. It, it was difficult to find a showing of this movie. Because yeah. it didn't get nominated for for any Oscars mm-hmm. or for very few Oscars. Yeah. It didn't get nominated for Best Picture. So that means, of course, that they're ditching it from the movie theaters so they can. Yeah. Can show. Well, and it and it hasn't been making gangbusters uh, business either, but um, yeah, we'll get into my opinions about the movie much later. So <laughs> yeah, I'll save it. I'll save it. I, I will say um, I, I have seen the movie before. The uh, version I saw it was a seventy millimeter roadshow, which means this version I have not seen yet. It yeah. is different. So it it yeah. is there's a different edit for the seventy millimeter. Yes. Oh, it's about right. the seventy millimeter version is not just six minutes longer. It uh, contains uh, an intermission and an overture, like oh. the, the big. So yeah. they, they were going for the classic movie. Yeah, movie it was an epic ac- experience. It was an actual yeah. road show. I knew, so. I knew that they did that, and I yeah. didn't think about the fact that they wouldn't. Have, they wouldn't be doing it. I mean, of course they wouldn't. You know, mm-hmm. you can't do it in a regular movie theater experience. People kind of have to know what they're in for. So the movie roadshow had like a program book and everything. Yeah, like and that. I'll I'll dig it out and you guys. Can yeah, we'll we'll have to yes. look at that. Yeah, because oh, it's pretty uh, neat. So you know, clearly Tarantino here. I mean, before even seeing the movie, I know that what Tarantino's going for is that epic movie experience. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if uh, Gone with the Wind, the Gone with the Wind kind of experience. Yeah. I think he he wanted to make. A movie that was about, I mean, not about, but gave people that experience of movie going as an event, mm-hmm. um, as, as a thing you planned for instead of going, hey, want to go see a movie this afternoon? Yeah, why not? What do you want to see? How about The Hateful Eight? Sure, let's go for it. <laughs> no, it's, it's like... I want you to speak in that accent all the time. <laughs> <laughs> in, in this case, you know what he's going for? He's, he's shooting for, he, he really wanted to be a, honey, let's, let's dress to the nines and let's yeah. go watch... The Hateful Eight. Uh, so there's that. But, I mean, there's still, you know, going to be the motherfuckers. Um, yes. Well, yeah. And so many motherfuckers. So many motherfuckers. God. You know, the <laughs> thing Those that, mothers, I'm telling you. The thing that I have to say, before we go, and we have to go pretty soon, but yeah. the thing that I have to say that I'm looking most forward to in this movie is uh, that it is a Tarantino film, and that means I will have little to no difficulty being able to pick out some music to stick into our little intermission portion. Oh, goodness. Um, you have no idea. <laughs> well, I have some yeah, because you do. it's a Quentin Tarantino you do. film. You do. I, so. I will say I adore this movie. for the, I, the, the music of this movie is wonderful. So we'll talk Yay. about that later. So, yeah, uh, I think we probably should just uh, get going. We're going to go see the movie in the movie theater. Then we're going to come back. Uh, we are in uh, Melissa's lovely house today. Yes. We're going to come back to her lovely living room and uh, discuss it. So we'll be back uh, after a little bit. Yay. Yay.
And we are back from the movie So Much Blood. <laughs> oh, oh the blood. There's so oh. much blood. Most of it on Mary Louise Parker's face. Um, yeah. Right? Oh, my God. Oh, I should mention, uh, uh, it, uh, since this movie is still in a few theaters, uh, spoilers. Yeah. Uh, you mean Jennifer Jason Lee's face? Sorry. Jennifer Jason Lee's yeah. face. My fault. I don't know why <laughs> I said Mary Louise Parker. But... Because the two of them, I get them mixed up. Oh, it's okay. It's Jennifer Jason Lee and Mary Louise Parker. They're those two actresses I like with three names. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, so, that's fair. That's fair. Because it's Jennifer Jason Lee, all first names. Mm-hmm. Mary Louise Parker, all first names. <laughs> no, no, I have a cousin named Parker. Seriously. I, I, oh, Parker is a first name. I believe name. it. I believe it. I, uh, yeah. you're, you're, real, you're really digging here. Okay. So anyway. Okay. Here uh, we are. So so much blood. There was a lot of blood. And, so and, and a mishap where I didn't get to actually see the movie. Oh. Yeah, we'll get into that in a little yeah. bit. First, yeah. Jenna, Jenna, yeah. you have to tell us what you thought of the film. Um, it was bloody. <laughs> Here's, <laughs> and I was not surprised that it was bloody. Um, but I feel like in other Tarantino films, uh, the gore has a much more prominent role in the plot. Mm-hmm. Or or in the storyline. Yeah. You know, uh, Pulp Fiction, spoilers, uh, brains get blown all over the car. Right. Well, now we have to do something about that. Right. Whereas in this one, wow, that's, that's, yep, that's a lot of blood. Well, I feel like it all got, like, <laughs> top-loaded into the very end of the movie, that, too. There was definitely a lot of that. Yeah. You got a good two and a half hours of very little blood, and oh, my God, all the blood. I don't know. It was all a little more, I mean, it was a little more... Wasn't wasn't quite at the end, but the the blood vomiting. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. The, there was. I mean, that blood that was, vomit was. That, that was a decent amount gr- of blood vomit. Gratuitous. Yeah. Gratuitous. Well, we'll Gratuitous just leave it at that. It, it was it was a, a impressive and horrifying amount of blood, <laughs> even to this <laughs> jaded blood lover. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, I, like I felt like um, the the hacking the arm off at the end was mm-hmm. was. Amusing because it was a part of yeah. getting out of that situation. Yeah. Um, the blood all over the place, maybe if people had slipped on it a bit more or somebody <laughs> slipping on it had caused whatever else to happen. Those are the kinds of things that I expect to see in Tarantino gore. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get as much of that as I wanted. Yeah, there, there seems to be, um, I think my biggest beef with uh, Hateful Eight in general is it's a little humorless compared to... Yeah. Uh, Tarantino's u- usual fare. There, there's usually a fantastic gallows humor. I mean, and, and there were some some moments where I was laughing where nobody else was, and I'm like, oh, well, it's just me then. Well, um, you know. <laughs> but yeah, like, uh, so there were some subtler humor not lines. Uh, Yankees say it's a free country. Yeah. Um, some other things like that that I was like, oh, that's funny. Like, and and I just it was it was much subtler there, but the gore itself. Yeah. What bothers me about the gore itself is that it wasn't used in plot line. It wasn't really used for humorous purposes or even that it's Tarantino gets very uh, human mm-hmm. in in like bodily functions and things like that. And that's the thing that I enjoy about Tarantino. Yeah. That I think a lot of other people like either you love him or hate him based on that line. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, I just. I felt like he was using that just as, yeah, well, this is my thing. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know, your thing's a bit more in-depth than that. And I'm a little disappointed that you didn't use it to its full ex- extent. Yeah. Or, you know, in in a, in a way that, that fed the story more than yeah, just being it, it's, gore. Yeah, it's kind of 
purposeless in being gore. Like, when that. you see horrifying things in Django Unchained, they're meant to be horrifying. Yeah. They're meant to get you really upset yep. at the base. And this, um, the, the level of gore at the end of Hateful Eight feels like one of those really extreme 1970s gore house grindhouse movies yeah. without a purpose. Which was fine for um the uh what what was it that was in the the the, the grindhouse? You know, death death proof? Death proof. Thank you. Yeah. But death proof, that, death proof death proof wasn't that gruesome. Death proof death proof wasn't that gory at all. Yeah. I mean it, yeah. if you want to go for comparable gore, I think you've got to go to kill Bill. But... Yeah. Yeah, but and and that's but that that almost... was the, the like the samurai picture spray of blood thing yes. where it's kind of more stylized and Yeah, it was it was more stylized yeah. and I felt like we all went in there like I felt like the gore there uh-huh. um added to the story. It was a part of the story. Yeah. It was um it was used to great effect in saying these are gory killers. Like, you know. Mm-hmm. Whereas here I was just eh. yeah. yeah. No, I'm I'm completely in agreement with you there. I mean when we went into the theater I kinda of prefaced this like all I said was, this is not my favorite Tarantino movie. I don't think it's, it's one of its best ones. Yeah, um, the, I mean, the one counter I'll, I'll give to the gore statement um, is part of it, to me, the amount of gore had a lot to do with how much of it got all over Mary Louise. Jennifer Jason Lee. Part of it is... Here, I'm is, just going to leave yeah, this Yeah, just, yeah. just hold it in there, front of me. Uh, okay. Yeah, there's, there's something... Uh, it, it feels exploitative. That's, I, yeah. I mean, that, that I think that's what people are dialing in of, um, she seems to be, in, in a cast full of men, she seems to be the target of all this crap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, there's something to be said for, like, the earlier stuff. Like, she gets elbowed in the face in a really brutal way, and there's something really visceral in that. It's like, oh, you yeah. don't see violence like that against women. Yeah. But she shrugs it off, which is... And so it's like, okay, I guess they're doing that to build her character and also get a rise out of the audience. Yeah. But when it's scene after scene after scene, she's just getting covered in gore or brutalized or whatever, even if she's a horrible person, it there it starts feeling really wrong. She's the only character that gets beaten up. The other yeah. characters eventually get shot. Yeah. But... Everybody is punching her character, and um, the the eventual disposition of her character is pretty brutal. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And you you know you you would have to consider the 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 disposition of pretty much every other character uh, humane in yeah. in uh, in in comparison now. Is she a terrible person? We never see her kill anybody. Right. We only hear that she is guilty of murder. Now, we can assume, given whom she associates with, mm-hmm. and the fact that they kill a whole bunch of innocent people in cold blood. And then, and she's not going, I'm innocent, I'm innocent. She, you know, when she has a chance to speak, she steps <clears throat> up and she's like, we're going to kill yeah. all y'all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, she's clearly yeah. not innocent. Yeah. But it is interesting that the only character in the film that's just constantly brutalized is the only woman in yeah. the film. Yeah, and well, uh, not the only main, woman. Well, the, 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 the only woman, uh, the only yeah. woman of 
that consequence. Set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and not really, the flashback. In the, in the flashback, the only women, the, those women, are there only to be to be likable before they get killed. Right. Yeah. Right. So that you can and sweet Dave, oh sweet. So Dave. you can really recognize that these guys that we're about to watch in the end of the film, you're going to want to see them dead. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, and it's interesting. I think I was I was noticing this about Tarantino. For as you know, it's always funny to me that you know, uh, like Spielberg is often people make fun of him for uh, wanting to have a happy ending. Mm-hmm. Um, Tarantino doesn't always have happy endings. But in a Tarantino film, the bad guy always loses. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. The, the, there's never a the, there's never a point where you think Daisy is going to escape mm-hmm. and get get away scot free. Right. Um, and so, so it's it's not it's not bad or good. It's yeah. it's just interesting that you've got this one director who has this regular knock against him. But nobody says that about Tarantino, even though every single one of his films, mm-hmm. even if it looks like the bad guy is going to get away with it, even if it looks like that evil character that you hate is going to get away with it, they will meet, they will have their comeuppance. And yeah. and spoiler alert, this is a movie called Hateful Eight in which there are basically eight villains in a room together. Oh yeah. Nobody gets out alive. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, all that said, mm-hmm. um, it was uh, it, so we had an interesting experience. We went to the theater to buy our tickets, and we thought, well, you know, there's hardly any more showings in the Twin Cities. We figured we'd all be able to get in to see the movie. They only had two seats left, <laughs> and there were three of us. So, since I was the person who had seen it before, I gave my ticket to Tim, and Tim and Jenna went to see it. So. I'm working on a memory that's about a month and a half old oh. of the 70 millimeter print. Well, you guys saw the digital and... Right. So, so we should talk a little bit about the differences because I'm interested yeah. to find out. So, um, you know, obviously there's an overture and an intermission that in were in the 70 millimeter mm-hmm. uh, roadshow version. Mm-hmm. But there were, what you said, an extra six minutes? There is apparently an extra six minutes in the roadshow. Um, not necessarily scene work um what and and since i have not had the chance to see the digital print right we don't know for myself um what i have heard uh is that it's it's not like there's a missing scene or anything like that it's um in 70 millimeter there are certain things that work better than when you're watching on a smaller screen Mm -hmm. so the digital cut that you see in the theaters is um, intended to be the same cut that goes onto a Blu-ray or a DVD to be played at home. And so a lot of the the shots that I saw of, you know, vast mountain scenery, things like that, were apparently held longer to, say, look at this gorgeous scenery in 70 millimeter, to right. the spectacle of it. So there are certain things that you can do in 70 millimeter that you can't do on a smaller screen and have it work timing-wise. And so a lot of it is that... Um, I suspect there was some re-editing um, around the point where there was an intermission. Right. Because the scene when you come back from the intermission, um, literally there's a recap. There's a, when you last left the theater, oh. <laughs> there, oh. this is what was happening. 
Um, there was a, a little spot of narration and uh, like a, here are our characters in case you forget after well, know, I mean, the we 15 minutes s- in the lobby. Th- that was the thing that was weird. We got some narration. Yeah. yeah I, that, I, I that, suspect that, when you started the chapter that was the flashback. Yeah. yeah. There's narration. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, there are other points where there's narration, but literally when you come back from intermission, there was a scene that was narrating as like, just to catch you up, <laughs> or huh. something like that. And uh, I presume that that is gone without the intermission, or rather it has been edited differently with the same content. Uh, yeah, that, that wasn't there. Yeah. So that's... Huh. Yeah, it's very um, interesting. Yeah, you know, I think... Um, that uh, the thing that I noticed, you know, yeah, there was the there was the, the buckets of blood, which at times seemed odd. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the, the the other thing that I noticed is um, I felt like the movie needed some more editing. Yeah, it's not it's not as trim. Well, uh, I mean, the, it's, the it's, editor that Tarantino worked with for a long time passed away a few years ago. Um, Sally Mendes, if I remember her name, um, and I feel like after she passed away, the the snap of his movies diminished a little bit. I I think she had a tremendous amount of input to uh, that classic Tarantino timing. Yeah, mm. yeah, and this one now he clearly <clears throat> wants you to wants to explore these characters, mm-hmm. uh, and you know he he. He has that tendency. He he really enjoys creating these characters and having the audience get to know them. Oh yeah, uh, but it, it is a it is a character drama in eight parts. It's pretty amazing in terms mm-hmm. of that. But you have to be in for you have to be in for the long game to watch this one. <laughs> you know, there's stuff like um, did you know the whole the whole monologue that Samuel Jackson has about. Uh, having the gen- having the general's son strip naked and give him a blowjob. And, oh boy! Yeah, um, that was. And and I was like, at at some point, I felt like, yeah, okay, but I think he probably would have pissed the dude off enough to draw the gun a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Although um, I I do the the time I saw the movie, um, it was. Oh, within two days of it coming out. And so I was in a packed theater at 11 p.m. showing. And so when that scene happened, boy, the audience reaction was interesting. Ah. (laughs) Because there was a lot of... People were laughing, but kind of in horror. (laughs) Kind of like, I I don't know if I should be... Is this fun? I don't know if this is funny. I'm just going to laugh nervously. (laughs) And... uh, it's kind of an interesting thing to me the yeah. the play of the 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 white guilt in the audience for the the black man and the, the you know all like well yeah it's like right well it's 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 super it's super interesting because on one side of that equation you have a, a black man who just got through the civil war and you know who is clearly a victim of racism throughout his life being a black man living in the U.S. at that point in time and. Yeah. On the other hand, that's rape. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, eh, eh. Well, it's kind of... And the whole point over. is these characters yeah. are, are villains. You know, you've got this yeah. character that is, is could be considered, could be played sympathetic, but he's really not mm-hmm. any yeah. better 
than the rest of them. Yeah. He carefully manipulates the general so he can murder him. Yeah. Yeah. Now, did the general was the general a reprehensible human being? Absolutely. The guy, you know, murdered a bunch of black soldiers. Yeah. In cold, he is a mass murderer. There's nothing about his character that says he deserves any kind of uh, justice. Mm-hmm. Well, he deserves justice, but he doesn't. He doesn't deserve mercy mm-hmm. um, for his behavior. In fact, he he got away with murder because it was war. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> But still, Jackson's character manipulates him into a situation where he can murder him without actually murdering him. Yeah. And I mean, there's a question about, was the story even true? I mean, he's been proven to be a liar already with exactly. the, the Lincoln right. letter. So, I mean, this this whole thing, that whole little flashback you're seeing um, may not even be true. In fact, I'm, I, I, would, it, it prob- I would say probably not. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, That's my guess. But the 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 audience reaction to that that scene of Samuel L. Jackson forcing a white guy to perform oral sex on him and laughing um, for it, it it it's fascinating watching like one horrible zeitgeist poke another horrible zeitgeist and watch them collide. Yeah. in a yeah. packed theater. Full of suburban white white folk, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That that must have been really interesting. Yeah, it was fascinating. Um, you know, I I do enjoy that that uh, what Tarantino is trying to do with this seventy millimeter, and you know, we didn't we we, we talked about it a little bit at mm-hmm. the outset. You know, he shoots it and he shot it in seventy millimeter, and he's really trying to harken back to the days of sort of the grand movie going experience. Yeah. Um, and and yet he's, tr- I find this a fascinating choice. It's like he gets the the ability to shoot in seventy millimeter, and ninety percent of that movie takes place in one fucking room. I know, which is absolutely fucking brilliant because when you see it in seventy, you you can see every single goddamn detail. The 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 way the details of the cabin come out on that film is amazing, and you see some of that I I presume even in the digital print because yeah. it took seventy millimeter to capture that sort of image. Well, and the and, way that they use the room, oh, the, the bits yeah. and pieces of things all over the place, and like you go into the flashback scene, and at at one point before the flashback scene, you just see like some empty chains hanging, and you're like, huh. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you go into the flashback scene, and you see the guy just pulling things yeah. to cover the chair that he just killed somebody in. Yeah. You know, and you're like, uh, oh, no. oh, yeah. oh, yeah. And, and the, the details. details of the room are so important because, because this movie operates like an Agatha Christie mystery. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, once you once you get into the core of it, it is. It's a locked room drama. Yeah, it's a locked it, room drama. It's ten little Indians. It's it's that whole thing, and being able to pick out the details of the room becomes incredibly important, especially that wonderful turnaround of somebody has poisoned that coffee, and I bet you didn't see him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Oh my god, that got the best reaction in the audience I was in. It's like oh. Oh, crap! <laughs> and then you're seeing characters, and they've got coffee, and you're like, "Are they going to drink it? Yeah. Are they not going to drink it?" You're thinking the other dude. Well, poor, poor carriage driver, dude. He's he's gone. Oh, poor like, Obi. Is is, yeah. is 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 Kurt Russell going to drink the coffee before the other guy gets? Oh fuck! He drank oh, the no, coffee. No, not Kurt Russell. No. Oh. 
Oh. As an aside, uh, Kurt Russell in any movie in my brain is, um, uh, oh my god, uh, Jack from uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, yeah. I always just hear that voice. <laughs> so he's like, you know, any time that Kurt Russell speaks, yeah. it's still that voice and it's still oh, that character. Kurt Russell in that movie is awesome. I mean, oh, he's yeah. phenomenal. Russell and, and, and Jackson are absolutely spectacular. Yeah, oh, their yeah. um, performances oh, are my amazing. God. I I can watch Kurt Russell in anything, but I really like old and grizzled Kurt Russell, and yeah. I want more of it. Oh, yeah. He's been in two westerns this past year, because he was in Hateful Eight and Bone Tomahawk, which is another really atypical western, and nice. I, I want more. I want more of that. That's fantastic. Yeah. Now, But talking about The Room, I was very I'll impressed. Take, I take that back. He was in three movies this year, and one of them was Fast and Furious 7. Ha 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 That made me so happy. Okay, anyway. <laughs> One of the things that impressed me is the way he really established that room. Oh, yeah. So you knew where everything was. And as things are happening, you understand where characters are in relation to each other, even if they're not in the shot, Mm -hmm. because of the last time you saw them. Yeah. Um, And you understand that every single character in here, you know, the the characters you don't know about, you, you don't know what's going on. But, I mean, Russell has made it really clear that... Some of these people are in cahoots with Daisy. Mm-hmm. Um, the Jackson character has made it really clear that he doesn't trust one of them mm-hmm. at all. Right. And you don't know how he feels about the other ones. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're you're thinking everybody in here is dangerous, mm-hmm. and they're dangerous to one another because he does this good job of establishing the way the different characters pose threats. To each other. Right. So the fact that there's this truce between Russell and Jackson is extremely important. Mm-hmm. Because it's the only truce that exists. Right. And when that truce gets broken by Russell dying. Yeah. It's like the entire balance of power has just shifted. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And it, it all falls like a pack And down. we know that, and Jackson takes over. Mm-hmm. But again, we've got the we've got the sheriff character who doesn't like Jackson. Mm-hmm. And it's like if those two can't stay on the same side, then again everything falls apart. Yeah. Right. And of course, then he does that nice move of throwing in a character you didn't even know was there, mm-hmm. which yeah. you. The Very cleverly done, because again, you know the setup of the entire room. Mm -hmm. You know where everybody is in that room, and suddenly there's somebody who you didn't know was there. Right. But I thought the clever thing about that was it didn't feel like a cheat. Right, it didn't. It it was well set up. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. That's... That's what I got. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was it was very very brilliantly done. So yeah. while there are certainly things about this movie that I think are troublesome, that part of it I thought was done extremely well. Oh yeah, I, I think as a whole the the movie doesn't quite hold together because it has some really egregious flaws, but the stuff that is done well is just amazing. Um, when I first walked out of the movie, I. My impression of it was this is an entire movie made out of scenes like the opening scene in Inglorious Bastards, which huh. is that very super tense scene of two people talking at a table. Right. And then and then cards, truths are slowly coming up in ways that you don't quite expect. 
Hateful Eight is an entire movie of that that type of conversation. <laughs> and that is one of the things that I think Quentin Tarantino does best is that yeah. there are those long dialogue scenes where they wouldn't work for pretty much any other director on earth, but you can watch Tarantino characters talk at each other for hours. He does, he does a really, it's not, it's the dialogue is really good. Yeah. He gets really good actors mm-hmm. and he knows how to shoot the scene in a way that maintains tension mm-hmm. instead of makes you kind of go, all right, get on with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I think that that's the masterpiece aspect of this movie. There, There's just amazing stuff going on there. Yeah. There, um, there's greatness in the film, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I liked uh, some of the... Uh, well, <laughs> can we talk race? Let's talk race. Oh, let, my goodness. Let us, let us. Um, did, I, I did tell you there was a certain oh, word yeah. that you'd hear oh, a lot. I was hoping, and Ooh. it delivered. You were correct. Oh, God. <laughs> um, the, the big thing that hit me at the end was a black man hanging a white woman. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. You don't even, like, for me, I didn't even think about the, the hangman connection mm-hmm. uh, to race until the end where you, where you see, uh, yeah. I was like, oh, 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 yeah, I can see where uh, sitting around and watching people get hung would bother them a bit, wouldn't it? Yeah. 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 I liked that a lot. Mm-hmm. It, I, it was... It was one of those just small things that, that carried over, and I went, oh. And I, I love having those moments in a movie. Yeah. And it's, with the race thing, the way he, he really injects casual racism oh, uh-huh. in there. You know, Kurt Russell's character is a northerner, clearly doesn't sympathize with the South at all. Right. Yeah. And yet... He's just as racist as the Southerners, mm-hmm. but he thinks he's not. Right. Yeah. Um, right. And that's that's the lovely lovely bit there. You know, you can see it bugs Jackson. Mm-hmm. You can see that he feels every time somebody calls him a nigger. Yeah. Yeah. That it's derogatory and insulting, but he recognizes that. That person is his ally. Mm-hmm. Well, what was what was the in the the stagecoach? They don't like to be called nigger. The darkies don't like to be called nigger. Yeah, yes, yeah. I was Isn't like, that nice? oh, 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 look at you. Oh, oh, oh. so progressive. Yeah, oh. it was so deliciously awful. Yeah, um. yeah. They're all they're they're all horrible <laughs> oh, people, as oh, stated yeah. in the title. What? <sighs> um, so yeah, that yeah. that piece was lovely to me. Just. Mm. And what was fantastic about that is it both set up her awfulness mm-hmm. uh, and his awfulness, but there are different levels of awfulness yeah. or the different ways that we look at their awfulness, I yeah. guess. Yeah. It was so pretty. Oh. Yeah. yeah. It was so pretty. Yeah. It, it was glorious. And, and <laughs> but not inglorious. Not inglorious. That's a different movie. That's yeah. a different movie. Yeah, yeah totally different. But... <laughs> How great was Tim Roth channeling Christoph Waltz? Oh yeah! Oh my God! You know the other oh. the other thing that I liked about this is Django Unchained is is Tarantino's last film. Yeah. And in, in his last film, he's doing bounty hunters again. Yeah. And his bounty hunters are a black man and a white man, mm-hmm. and yet they're entirely sympathetic. There are good guys. They're the people we want to succeed. Yeah. Then mm-hmm. he takes those takes those same archetypes, and again, it's not that you don't want those characters to succeed, right? Yeah. But 
they are far less sympathetic. Right. They are they are far closer to the criminals that they are apprehending. Mm-hmm. There is something about Christoph Waltz's bounty hunter that is honorable and moral mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that doesn't translate to the characters that are played by Jackson and Russell. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. Completely different. Um, gosh, what other race things were there? Because there were so many, and I just... Uh, yeah, I, I, f- I, find, I find this movie to be a really interesting companion piece to Django and Chain, by the way. Oh, yeah. There are very, very interesting comparisons to be made there. Mm-hmm. So, um, is there any trivia we need to know about you Melissa? You know what? I, did, I was very remiss in look, looking up trivia. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, it's we not could... like you were watching the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I totally couldn't get into the theater, dear listeners, so I uh, went and watched Spotlight instead. Yay. Which is fantastic, by the way. Um, yeah, Hateful Eight. Mm. Uh, I can tell you a lot about 70mm and stuff, so, um, oh god, I was so furious <laughs> the first time I, I saw this movie because I went to, like it was saying, I went to the road show uh, about two days after it was released, and the the issue that we ran into in Minneapolis and many, many other cities who got the 70mm road show, it opened in like 50 cities that way. The... Weinstein Company basically rolled out the 70mm prints mostly to AMC theaters. And AMC theaters are pretty much primarily work on digital. They're, they're lucky to have a 35mm projector at those theaters. So in Minneapolis, even though we have two theaters here that still have 70mm projection equipment and trained projectionists, uh, we have the the Heights Theater, which yep. we've seen movies at, and we have uh, the Willow Creek Theater, which is over by where I work. The movie, the seventy millimeter print, was playing at one of the EMC locations with a borrowed projector, huh? Like a rental, uh, I think it was a simplex or something like that, and um, the the projection was bowed and curved and there was like a big blurry spot in the middle throughout the entire thing because uh, I think it had a burnt lens or something like that. Like it had something, like everything around the edges was in focus. Um, I saw it two days into the release. It was already scratched. It was heartbreaking. Oh my God. Uh, I wrote wrote a very furious letter to AMC. And the problem is, the thing that's frustrating is, here in the Twin Cities, we have two. Yeah, we have two. This, two 70-millimeter oh, projectors. And and good Lord, those two theaters love getting the chance to show a 70-millimeter screening. They they dig out those projectors whenever they need them because they love 70-millimeter. All, all that had to happen is they had would have had to go to one of those theaters and say, Hey, here's the print. Play it and rake in your money. And yeah, those no. folks know how to project yeah. using, how to show film using that projector, and it would have been a much better experience yeah. for the audience. Yeah, projection um, is, a, is a skill. It really is. It and it's a, skill, it's a skill that's basically lost, because mm-hmm. pretty much every movie theater these days is digital. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything's being projected digitally, which there are plenty of good reasons to do it that way. I'm not trying to knock digital projection as a thing that shouldn't happen, uh, but film that's projected a movie that's projected from film is clearer it yeah. does look better um 
the mm. the colors you don't get artifacting of the colors and like really soft gradients you get I, I mean it, it gets down to film nerd details really but um, there's a certain je ne sais quoi about seeing something off the film <laughs> <laughs> in 70 millimeter I'm, I'm trying to there are not many films that were shot in 70 oh no um, I think there and the particular process that I think this was super Panavision or something like that the particular process that was used for the Hateful Eight specifically I think was used on maybe 10 films mm-hmm. oh wow yeah, yeah. Uh, there, there were a few different 70 millimeter formats but uh, so it's a shame that, that we didn't get that Mm-hmm. projected the way it really should have been. Yeah. It, uh, it was... Uh, I I was so angry. <laughs> I so, was angry. So I think it's probably time for final thoughts. Uh, so for final thoughts, why don't we start with Jenna. Jenna, what are your final thoughts about The Hateful Eight? Um, I kind of want to uh, cosplay as uh, Daisy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Wouldn't yeah. that be awesome? Yeah, it would be great. able to be, would be crazy great. with the... I've, I've got a brown trench coat. I've got, mm-hmm. you know, like... I'd need to get yeah, a. You know, I think brown, I've got a fur thing and a hat that would match. Honestly, the brown trench coat is the only way you can tell the difference between cosplaying Daisy and cosplaying Carrie. It's um, mm. fair. Because mm. both of them are basically covered in blood. So. Right. I don't know if yeah. I'd go at the blood point. I'd have the black eye, maybe do a broken nose. You know, pre. Well, if you're pre- if you're cosplaying, public. you could always like go out for ten minutes and then duck behind a you know a, a wall or something, apply more bruising. And then go back out. Oh, yeah, that's oh my god! That's and then and then come back in, apply just more makeup over the course just of the like, day or the evening. Did I, did get I, more wrecked. Yeah. yeah. I, I, speaking of cosplay, this is going totally off the rails, but I just have to say, <laughs> awesome. Uh, a few years back at Convergence, the cosplay that I wanted to do because uh, it was just after they had the silence introduced as a new villain on Doctor Who, mm-hmm. was just have a little hash marks on my on yep. my hand, and over the course of the weekend, just have hash marks slowly start covering my entire <laughs> yes. body. Yes, I love it. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> I love it, I love it. That, I still should do that. Anyway, uh, Melissa, final thoughts about Hateful Eight. Uh, Hateful Eight was great. Spotlight's really good, too. <laughs> <laughs> so my final thought is to uh, note that if you are a regular listener, you probably heard that we were going to do Phantom of the Opera next, and then what if what happened? They did, they did the Hateful Eight. Yeah, because uh, it's because it almost it's almost gone, and yeah. we wanted to see it while it was in the theaters. So uh, we apologize if you're expecting this episode to be Phantom of the yeah. Opera. That will be our next episode. Yes. We will do Phantom of the Opera next. Uh, but uh, we hope you enjoyed listening to us talk about the hateful eight and uh we hope that if you get a chance to see it uh maybe i i hope since there are 70 millimeter prints out there perhaps one day it might end up at the heights in the twin cities and we can see it projected properly in 70 millimeter so oh and the the seeing it with the overture and the intermission is really pretty great Mm-hmm. They yeah. still have the chapter divisions, right? Yeah, the, it, yeah. It, it, pretty much the rest of the movie should be about the same. The timing might be a little different, but yeah, the, mm-hmm. the overture is a good 10 minutes of Ennio Morricone music. <laughs> it's we great. didn't even talk about Ennio Mar- Morricone. It, but, uh, no. By God, the music was phenomenal in this one. So uh, we'll leave you with that. The music was phenomenal in this one. Thanks mm-hmm. so much for listening, and uh, we'll be back to talk about the Phantom of the Opera. We hope you enjoyed our film fixation. We'll see you next time on A Real Education. Dee-dee-dee. <laughs> I want to note, I did not do music from the actual music. I, I know. I, I, I'm proud of you, Tim.